0: Well, I'm going to get all in Firkin Fulcher, Ara, her in special to show. Lo the eyebread her foot down. a goosey down. August Lo Tavok Does it at A a winter I'm so pleased to welcome, uh, as President of Ireland, to welcome you all here this afternoon. And I have to say, I couldn't think of a finer group of people to welcome on a very special day, May Day, when, as I have just said, in Irish, workers all over the world are celebrating a day that is special uh, to the right to work, rights at work and right of workers to contribute to the forming of a society that is equal and participatory and just. It gives me great pleasure to see so many young people of course which I want to say a word about and to see also so many of you wearing the sustainable development badge which is, of course one of the great projects we speak about so often here now in Oris and uh, I should say as well that Sabina I she is a detained in Galway but something that was simply uh, unavoidable of a of uh, family kind, and uh, Sabina and I uh, both ended up in the same union in, indirectly. When My first union was the ESBOA, the ESPO Association, and then later I founded the teaching section of the Workers' Union of Ireland, and that Bishop became absorbed in the 2 And of course Sabina had been in Actors' Equity, which was in the transport union so we have, in fact, made a journey. We are both members, still members, of, uh, of that very large union. I'm so pleased as well, you'll excuse me if I say that when I was speaking down in Killarney to that magnificent evening we had when the unions came together to form FORSA, and I had the pleasure yesterday of meeting the president of FORSA. But all of you working in your different organizations for trade union rights, equality rights, gender rights, rights in relation to expression, rights in relation to sexuality, rights in relation to participation, you're all very, very welcome. I think yesterday, it was, uh, we were, had people visiting me who were rec- the, the centenary of the, the Limerick Soviet, as it was, and I think it's very, very important that we remember all those who have marched f- and fought and stood in solidarity with their colleagues, with their fellow citizens and with people all over the world who have said have struggled against inequality and against so many forms of exclusion. I think as well what is very challenging uh, for me is that uh, people of my age with the recollection of marching behind banners on Saturday, as I said listening to the feet It was a most extraordinary experience and this is something I just thought I should say. Uh, I remember very, very much in marches both against apartheid and marches against war, marches against all the different rights we've had in workers' rights. There are people who would come somewhat shyly in many cases, and they'd begin walking behind the banners. And by the end of the, the march, and having listened to the speeches, they would have, in fact, they'd be with you then for the future and for the struggle. And I sometimes think it is one of the great challenges of the present atmosphere when you have so much privatised experience of technology and communications that while you can actually organise events faster by spreading the information, you do have to really work hard to retain in present conditions that powerful sense of the collective, the songs, the banners, and so forth, and so on. Uh, uh, it, it is a time, I think... So today is a day when we remember th- all of those who have marched, fought for, and stood in solidarity with their colleagues, their fellow citizens, and with people all over the world who have struggled against inequality and against any form of exclusion. But it's, a sense, it's inspiring, I have to say, and a great source of hope in the very best sense as I look around the room and see so many young people gathered here who have already taken up or are willing uh, to take up the new challenges with the same commitment and courage As those who have given us their legacy, the fine and generous tradition within democracy that is trade unionism. So many of the rights that liberal people take for granted are in fact rights that were won by trade unionists. The promotion of a more inclusive society must be a cornerstone of any true democracy and a society that is truly equal is one that recognizes the fundamental dignity of each and every member and the valuable contribution that workers make in their many diverse ways, so that we can all, that we can all make in strengthening and supporting the society of which we're a part. So today, when Sabine and I decided to have on this particular May Day to invite those who are the new young activists to come to be with us, it was because we knew that they will be contributing in a meaningful way to a national conversation that we so need and how we can achieve. Enhanced participation and transformation within Irish society. And that was one of the three pillars in my decision to to stand for re-election. And I hope as well that your coming together will ignite debate amongst you on the future shape of our workplaces and of the wider culture in which they will operate. Because as young people your voice is critical to such a debate. I think it is incredibly important as well that in many, many cases that the debate about work becomes a debate about reduction in employment in unemployment figures. It is about much more than that. It is about how, in fact, what will be the definition of work into the new society which is being created. And your vision and your creative energy and your capacity to imagine a better world will be vital forces in navigating a way forward towards achieving a society that is ethical, just, respectful of all its members, and genuinely entitled to claim the status of a democracy. Sometimes, as I say these words, people think, "Is is there something abstract about all of this? There isn't at all. A person who is being exploited knows that they're being exploited it is an experience. And most people who are involved in organising workers know what it is decent work and what is dignified work. But even more more important, and the biggest challenge is going to be, in fact, actually, redefining work. For example, many people here are involved in caring in different ways. So on. Where does the... the how does this... There's a new... Book by Karkowski on a thousand years of history, the concept of work. For example, uh, the people who hired servants. Where people often who said that it would be undignified to be working but it was all right if you could pay someone else to do the essential tasks how work is defined how will work be defined in the future and uh, why is caring taken us so differently from other forms of traded activities you're going to win all those debates and that's what's going to be very very important i think As a society that I think that denies these values or doesn't allow such debate has to be opposed because a society that denies values is not either inevitable or incapable of being changed or replaced by the efforts of those who want democracy vindicated and deepened. It's a long journey, but it's one that I know that all of your efforts can shorten for your fellow workers. I remember seven, eight years ago when I established the Being Young and Irish initiative, and some of the people are here. It was to listen to the views, and I encountered eight hundred young people, and their ideas of what would be the, what did they want from Ireland. And those who participated emphasised the importance to them of solidarity, equality, inclusion, pluralism, freedom of thought, expression. A right to use uh, uh, the, the Irish language and what was very, very, very interested in another consultation I did is that all of the young people wanted a dignified, decent society for older people and older people wanted a decent society for younger people and later on in speeches over the following seven years I emphasised that it was one of the greatest resources we had in Ireland that we didn't have an intergenerational conflict like that and that we had a great, great capacity if we built on it. And building on that I went on then to initiate the President's Ethics Initiative as a deliberative process which could map out the issues that need to be addressed and the types of changes that it needed to occur in pursuance of that better Ireland. Often think about that. That was through some of the most vicious attacks on one of my speeches, I remember uh, during the period we had the launch of the Ethics Initiative. People said, the president quoted left-wing economists and Maverick economists. He was referring to Merrowski and people like that. But what was very interesting is I saw in that, and it is much stronger now. A very deliberate attempt to prevent discourse of economics in the area of economics. Looking back on it at the eight years, I can unequivocally state that the hardest issue I've had to deal with is, in fact, getting space to discuss economics. It is that the notion that you can, in fact, keep people consuming, keep them separate from you. Will, sell the idea that they're looking to have a job, that they're looking in conditions of change over which no one can control, to be still working its own. This is why all economic models must be made to state their assumptions and workers must empower themselves with economics and fiscal knowledge to be able to demand the right to, to, to compare models. I think that that ethics and was something else. It was it was a, I want to learn it now? But there's a big difference between an ethics that is talking about as, um, uh, as uh, Polanyi would once say, economics is about meeting the needs of societies. Uh, it was very very much about an ethical version of the economy is very different from saying an ethics is making sure you don't get caught and eh, that you have a that you have a paper that you have a paper trail and so forth so it was an, a necessary debate but we're now at a more a further a more important phase yet where ideas and concepts must be harnessed and it's one of the reasons I sought a second term was to be able to take the next steps towards delivering real action if we're about to bring about about real transformation. And if we are to construct together a society that will be inclusive, equal and shaped to accommodate and cherish all its citizens in all of their circumstances and all of their vulnerabilities. I keep defining societies and a republic as a community of vulnerabilities. And young people and their active participation will be integral to the writing of the next chapter of our nation's story. Already there has been very reassuring evidence that there is on this island a real will amongst young citizens to achieve equality and to become consciously involved in directing change both at home and across our wider global society so pleased to welcome here people who have defended the right to have student newspapers and very particularly the secondary schools who have organised, which is just a brilliant uh, development. And earlier this year, Irish school children raised their voices in union with teenagers across the world to protest inaction on climate change, inspired by 15-year-old Swedish activist Greta Thunberg, who has now become nominated, of course, for a Nobel Peace Prize. But your work will require courage. All of that does require courage, something I feel that you have in abundance. And a few short days ago, I had an experience of great courage. I joined many hundreds of other mourners at the funeral of 29-year-old Lyra McKee in Belfast. And I'm so pleased to welcome so many members in the NUJ North and South, who are here this afternoon, and while mourning her tragic death, uh, we were also celebrating the life of a young woman whose legacy will always be a profound one, a woman who in the words of her friend, embodied a future of finding commonality, enjoying difference in others, and what she has left as part of her legacy is the reminder that the gift of courage is the greatest gift. So I think ten- achieving equality too must never be misunderstood as being about the creation of opportunities for the individual at the expense of collective and universalist rights. That is the fundamental difference between a liberal and a republican person, a version of rights. I see a misprint in my speech. So often, <laughs> so often uh, it is those who are most vulnerable and marginalised uh, who are excluded from discussion, participation and decision-making and deny the voice that will allow their needs to be recognised in the formation of social policies. So equal weight must be given to both the integrity of the individual and the integrity of the community. It's something I have to say that should be really taken up about that different version of liberal rights and uh, republican rights. And the third version is the one that Habermas speaks about, about the necessary elements of a deliberative democracy. In liberal rights very much are defined against the state. The idea is you're keeping the state away from your collective individual rights. It's exclusionary. It is also, by the way, that which has left us the legacy of all the problems in the European Union at the present time. On the other hand, Republican versions of rights is one in which there is, in fact, a set of needs in the collective, that have in fact actually the policies should be directed to, towards meeting and you get an entirely different version of rights. And this is the debate that we must have and we must also demand the space in times of ever-shrinking media opportunities uh, uh, to, to make that debate. That's why I'd say it's going to be we need to have many meetings in different parts of the of the country and of the world to actually to be able to debate these issues. We are now facing a very dangerous time in which you're going to see a huge new right-wing uh, f- uh, f- version of economics uh, that, that is threatening. Your efforts are necessary in the faces of a threatening tide of reactions, of a new version of extreme individualism that challenges collective welfare, that seeks to exploit and develop war among the poor and the excluded. When knew people asking questions in the most widely distributed newspapers saying things like, for example, could the, could the tide of anti-capitalism reach the shores of Ireland? Mm-hmm. Uh, could this Leninism come and threaten us? And, I mean, you form your own opinion. It's very important that these words are there in all of their ignorance. <laughs> your efforts are necessary, therefore. In recent years, countries across Europe have seen a rise in electoral support for political parties declaiming an extreme exclusionary message. Refugees, immigrant communities, and other minority groups are increasingly viewed as a threat to the rights of the majority. When there is no evidence whatsoever that such have interfered with the lower quintile of occupations, for example in the island next door. You never hear it printed anywhere that 10% of global GDP last year was provided by by migrants. but many of those achievements of those who fought tirelessly for human rights are under threat by a new generation of extremists, who view those universal rights as a threat to their own individual rights, which they demand to be unregulated, free from any social obligation of a collective kind. They have already, as you know, since the end of the 1980s, been seeking to ever extend a limited role for the state, an ever more extended realm within which unacceptable market forces can flow. The freedom it proposes is a freedom from social responsibility, a freedom to exploit and accumulate without accountability. So ethical societies of which people like I speak and others can only grow from ethical communities and ethical workplaces are a fundamental part of such communities. But unfortunately the centrality of individualism of which I speak has in recent years has had its own corrosive effect on society. Many workers have been reduced to tradable units of labour in workplaces which now shape themselves solely around the economic requirements and demands of the employer. Such workplaces refute the concept of decent work based on a holistic understanding of work as a source of personal dignity and freedom, family stability, prosperity in the community, participation in the community and democratic flourishing. I so often think of Amata's definition to be able to participate in your society without shame. The outward manifestations of this chronic job insecurity, so many people on 16-hour commitments, the stretching of the working day beyond contracted and paid hours, the use of technology to erode the lines between work and home has insidiously and profoundly impoverished the lives of individuals, their families and communities, and communities that have been denied the participation and input of so many of their members. Becoming the company person, There is no great difference between Lever Brothers and the... 18th and 19th century in the soap factories which in fact built and owned their workers totally providing them with every aspect of life and some of the large companies that tell you if you're feeling stressed you have a playroom and you can also go and have machines and you can have all of these (laughs) other things but in the meantime you are totally owned by that person. That is in itself uh, something that that we must be free to discuss the idea of the total ownership of the person's life. And uh, what must concern us all in terms of its. is the threat it represents to democracy itself. It's what we're witnessing across Europe in recent years a slow and continuous decline in trade union membership when it was so desperately needed, with many younger workers unaware, because they are isolated, that existing rights and such securities as there are were secured as a result of many battles that unions have had to fight. The important benefits they have achieved did not fall from the sky. Those early trade unionists played a major role in building and securing democracy in their encouraging of debate and their offering of new visions and articulations in the pursuit of fairer and more just societies. And workers that were represented here, workers were not only about an informed kind of slavery, it was also about music and joy and participation and education and reading and all of the, the aspects of citizenship. And Ireland's tradition of trade unionism is a long and proud one and there are great iconic moments such as the great lockout of 1913 which Spain and I have celebrated here in the grounds of Oris and in our tribute to the citizen army. Across the intervening decades generations of Irish workers have continued to fight to protect the interests of Ireland's working men and women and of workers abroad. I think of Mary Manning and Her colleagues in Dunn's stores. So many of the benefits and rights that workers and their families enjoy today have been won through the time, energy and effort of union leaders, union representatives and union members who have negotiated and, when necessary, taken action, often at personal cost, to ensure fairer and better workplaces and societies. And I was reared at a time when I thought trade unions would go out to tedious meetings that were just simply necessary in able to sustain and advance trade unionism is gine a bonus because the soccer as and larger acas a new caste with of gloon gloon or ebrecha a can aber ko i gerne vergunje le onet is really a vital component for a truly participative society and it is imperative that trade unions be strong, progressive, informed, revolutionary in their adapting to new conditions. And so today, I look to you as a new generation of workers and union activists to continue to take collegiate action. In fighting against discrimination in its many forms, in the workplace, in our society, in the street and in the home and in societies across the globe. And all of you were invited here because you are, as young people, activists who have already demonstrated your commitment to be drivers of change. As Raymond Williams put it and I so often quoted it, being the arrow not the target. And by working to create more inclusive creative workplaces, you have recognised that decent and inclusive rights bearing workplaces provide a strong base for the creation of decent societies, but that that can only be achieved by those who have the moral courage, the well informed views, and insight to work collectively and with respect for dialogue for full equality and inclusion. You, all of you, more than 150 of you represent a wide range of unions and groups across all sectors that will be at the forefront of efforts to put human dignity and universal solidarity at the centre of our society. And you may not assume that achieving political independence achieves that. The glimmer of egalitarianism is often a very weak one within the heart of nationalisms. It is a challenge that will encompass the requirement to decarbonise our economy, to halt and reverse the destruction of the natural world, the imperative to welcome all those who have come to our shores in search of safety, security and a better life, the necessity for just and sustainable development. It is a challenge that will determine whether our concept of work will grow and develop into a generous one. that encompasses the person, the family and the community and that is why I'm so pleased that we've been joined by members of the Irish Second Level Students Union and I so want to take this opportunity to commend you for all you're doing to enable each and every student to reach their full potential as persons and citizens and realise all of their possibilities. We do not exist solely to make ourselves useful, we have the right to live in the fullest sense. And if we are to achieve the transformations that are now urgently required, and transformation, as I said, is one of the pillars of my second term, we need the engagement of young citizens, unafraid to question the status quo, to reject the easy option of going with the flow, to ask the difficult questions that will change the tenor of a discussion going in the wrong direction, Which also, while also valuing the capacity to listen to alternative opinions with respect. It is so important that our younger generation leave formal education equipped with the skills to question and critique decisions made by individuals and institutions in positions of power and authority, ensuring such decisions are ethical and based on fairness. And if in time we have been criticising in the several decades of my own life, patriarchy, We also have forms of authoritarianism that we must root out of Irish society that are stopping creativity and stopping new relaxed ways of doing things that can better express our humanity. Our school's curricula reflect the kind of humanity our society seeks and nurtures. The introduction of philosophy into our secondary school's curriculum, that was a most welcome development. But may I suggest it again, and I repeat it again and again, that fiscal and economic literacy would place citizens in a position to interrogate and examine all the connections between economy, society and the state, to understand how we must adapt our spaces and systems to ensure they enable and support inclusion. An inclusion test I would think, for example, it's quite reasonable to expect you could have an inclusion test in legislation and a poverty reduction test at home and abroad in a worthwhile aim, in the same way as you could have a test in relation to climate uh, responsibility and in relation to sustainability. I'm finishing. I've given a deliberately long speech because you are so important to me at this stage, and I mean it because I see at the time I was both in active politics and the time I was an active trade unionist and I remain a trade unionist, I'm still a member. One of the things about it, it is just so important that you win all of these arguments. So on this May Day let us all commit together to play our part in removing the obstacles that stand between so many of our people and their full participation in society. We must resolve to craft and shape a society around the needs of all of our fellow citizens in all their diversity of experiences and perspectives. The challenge of achieving decent work and all it entails will be one of the defining struggles of the coming decades that will unite workers in all generations and all over the world and all of you here today are the future of the trade union movement and you will be central in that defining struggle and I encourage you to use the occasion today in the hours to form new bonds and connections with each other, to learn about the work being done by the different groups among you and to commit to working in solidarity together, to reclaim an understanding of work as the foundation for the achievement of other human rights and a strong base for a life of dignity and fulfilment and flourishing and to re-energise the trade union movement and Make it strong. Make it the most logical place where people begin to actually to test of what is good and valuable legislation. Finally, Marfaka square, may I thank all those who have made today on I want to thank all those who have made today such a special experience our own staff here in the Oris, and very particularly wonderful entertainers that we've had, Fair Play, which comprises Owen Dignam, Phil Player from Meat, I think Alanna Thornburg, Harp from Mayo, Joanne Cusick from the Button of the Civil Defence and First Aiders, but you all look very healthy. And of course, as I said, none of these occasions that we organise, Sabine so here in the Oris, would not be able to be done if it hadn't been for not just for the generosity and willingness of our staff here, but the absolute the wonderful way in which they put their enthusiasm into organising and helping us with events like this. Let us celebrate May Day 2019 with a new conviction to make the trade union movement a major, major partner in policy for all of the decades to come. Mila thank you.
1: Thank you, President. President, ladies and gentlemen, can I now call upon representing the Ciptu Ute Network, Ife Ni Please. I walk
2: through on a garden. My voyage is as <laughs> well in the novel. I am my life is as a Sabina as in Desha who is going to take the healing of a love between two people. I work together today on May Day, and I would like to wish everyone here a happy International Workers' Day. I'm particularly excited that we have a very diverse group of young trade union activists here today with us from every corner of this country and from a variety of nations as well. Fay Lahno Ags Nartu round Fortierta, Laurel and the Hale, Casco Dintin and Aklat, Agsintinate as Kur Ahner enough. Today gives us the the opportunity to have an important conversation about our future as a movement and how we can strengthen and deepen participation in our structures. The future growth and power of our movements depends on this. The future working conditions and lives of many thousands of workers depends on our strength as unions to make a real impact. Today is about making new connections to start new conversations around participation and inclusion and how we can transform ourselves to support this. Today is about celebrating activism, our activism, and our work towards a better future. I also want to take a moment to thank the leaders of our, our organisations, some of whom are in the room here today. We thank you for keeping our proud tradition of trade union activism alive. We thank you for the difficult battles that you've fought over recent years to protect and strengthen our rights, the successes you've had in changing our world for the better, for the foresight to recognise that a new generation of union leaders is critical to the future of the movement, and most of all for your encouragement of our participation and your solidarity to our generation. Your commitments to include us have allowed us to feel a sense of belonging to the movement. The inclusion and mentoring has prompted us, so many of us here, to want to go out and organise our fellow workers, and that opportunity to participate has exposed us to the wonderful, vibrant culture of banners and marches, speeches and songs. We We thank you down the Marvi Riev. you Our solidarity, and especially our global solidarity, is now more important, more important than ever. When we see what is happening in other countries around the world today, we are reminded that the rights which have been hard fought for can easily, too easily, be eroded or simply swept aside. As we are past the great traditions of the movement, we also take on the responsibility to protect against the efforts that aim to recede human rights. There is nothing to do with us, that we have to all the time and that we have all the time. We have all the time, and we have all the time, and we have all the time, and we have all the time. We have and we have all the There is now a massive threat in front of us as our planet heats, and our climate changes. Billions of people are exposed to new dangers and are at risk around the world as a result. We are running out of time. This is the next big hurdle, to manage the changes that will occur and to push for action before it is too late. On May 11th, Liberty Hall Theatre will open its doors to young activists from all unions and beyond in the climate action movement. I encourage everyone in this room to attend if you can, or support in whatever way that you can. Be gilin moos as Thúirtha and an éin <tosniena> the The sense of collective strength is being relearned as we recognise the possibilities that come from collaborating and standing together. Our commitment to human rights, equality, and democracy begins in our workplaces and in our places of study. Today, we call on our generation to get involved. Join your union and participate. We must encourage others to get on board. We must identify and remove the barriers that exist for some. We need to listen to each other and to share. (laughs) Enjoy the day, and I'd like to wish you a happy May Day and a happy International Day, and also to take a moment as well to thank the staff, Claire and Evelyn, and all the staff here in the ORS, and everyone who took the time to come out today to celebrate with us. Mila
1: President, ladies and gentlemen, can I now call upon the President of the Second Level Students' Union, Sarah Hart, please. President Higgins, guests, thank you very much for the opportunity to speak here today and for the invitation. We are delighted today to have the chance to introduce you to our Charter for Inclusive Schools, which we will do later on. The Irish Second Level Students' Union is the national umbrella body for school student councils in Ireland and the representative body for the over 374,000 second-level students in Ireland. Over the past number of years, we fought to make sure that second-level students' voices are heard at the tables of educational decision-making. In particular, around relationships and sexuality education and senior cycle reform. As we grow, we want to ensure that not only is no voice left behind in this process, but that all voices have a seat at the table. To help us do this, we have developed a Charter for Inclusive Schools, which our incoming president, Keir Fanning, will now explain to you all. Thank you very much. Good evening, everyone. So the ISSU developed the Charter for Inclusive Schools to focus on the integration of migrant and refugee students into our secondary schools. The Ireland of today is undoubtedly a multinational one, and there are over 163 nationalities represented in our secondary schools across the country. The Charter was developed following a fantastic consultation with students from a variety of different backgrounds who came together to put down on paper the barriers that face them in education and the solutions that they see going forward, showing more than anything that students are the experts in their own education. The contribution of students with migration experience is integral to the process and their expertise and profound knowledge made this whole project possible. We want to start a conversation about migrant and refugee students in second level schools and the issue they face. Marnadini or Skala Kayla, and we want schools to recognize and celebrate diversity. We recognize that all barriers for education will, be not, will not be removed overnight. However, we have faith in our students and our schools to create a more inclusive environment for everyone. And our work is not yet done. This year we are again the lucky recipients of the Seeds for Integration grant and we are working on a project called Prospects Not Provision to focus on raising awareness and breaking down the barriers for students in the direct provision system. In secondary school we all had a favourite subject, something we were passionate about, something we wanted to delve into, be it languages, law, medicine or poetry. And the majority of us got that opportunity or will get that opportunity. Students in direct provision have that same passion, they have that same drive and the same amount of talent and potential, however very few have the opportunity to follow it. They face huge difficulties when trying to progress from secondary school to third level education. They are not only faced with international fees, but a crippling lack of support. And ISSU as a representative of all second level students cannot stand by this and we will continue to fight for migrant and refugee rights and to make sure that everyone is included in our second level system because education is no place for exclusion. And we are delighted to present uh, President Higgins with the Charter for Inclusive Schools today and thank you all for the opportunity to be here and for listening to us.